I feel that we are often disconnect and that especially traditional banks are disconnected from the consequences of their actions, maybe even of the needs of their people. And I think in order to become more ethical, right, I think we need to reconnect more and need to look more closely to um, the consequences of our actions. Welcome to the Next Gen Banker podcast, where we explore what's next in banking and we talk with innovators responsible for creating positive change in the financial sector. I'm Becca Heft, Chief Brand Officer at Sunrise Banks, and I'm joined by Brian Toft, Sunrise Banks Chief Revenue Officer. Hey, Becca, always great to be here. Uh, David Reiling, our usual host, is out finding the next big thing in banking. But today we get to talk to someone I'm very interested in learning more about. Yeah, so today we are talking with Sonia Reinhart of GLS Bank and the Global Alliance for Banking and Values. Sonia, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great, super. Um, and we'll get into a little bit of our history in a little bit of how we know Sonia. But before we jump in, this is just a reminder to stick around to hear our musical feature at the end of the episode. Each Next Gen Banker episode focuses on one new artist from somewhere around the globe, representing a wide range of different genres. So be sure to check it out. So I'd love to give a little background on Sonia. Sonia is a senior human resources advisor at GLS Bank based in Germany. She studied Southeast Asian studies and Indonesian in Germany and Singapore and gained a banking diploma in Bonn, Germany. She's focused heavily on human resources, receiving advanced education in the area of systemic coaching, organizational development, and transactional analysis. Sonia has worked in sustainable finance for the last 10 years. In coordination with Katrin Kufer, Sonia is responsible for managing the GABV Leadership Academy, which is where Becca and I met Sonia. So, Brian, you're right. Uh, we both have had the privilege of getting to know Sonia through the Global Alliance for Banking and Values as she was an instructor of the Leadership Academy there, um, as well as my coach and mentor throughout the program. So, Sonia, I would love to just hear how you got into finance. Yeah, sure. Um, so where it all started was right after school, actually. Um, so I wanted to gain a little bit of work experience and I didn't really know what to do, but, you know, my mom did um, work in a bank and my dad. So I was like, okay, I give it a try too. And in Germany, we have this beautiful system. It's a dual system. So you can work at the same time. You can go to school and you get a diploma after two and a half years. So to be honest, this time um, wasn't really inspirational for me. Um, it was mainly ticking boxes on loan contracts. Mm. Um, and at that time, it was a lot of paperwork, actually. Um, and I remember this guy coming in the mo in the morning with this cart with this huge pile of <laughs> folders, and then he he banged it on your on your table, and then you had like a stack of folders next to you, and just had to tick boxes the entire day. And I never had any contact with the loan recipient, and mm. I was really um, yeah, it was so uninspirational, and I felt a bit bored as well, actually. So after I finished that, I promised myself I'd do something um, where my heart is more invested in. So um, I studied Southeast Asian studies and Indonesian, so something completely different, right? So I thought, actually, because the focus was a lot um, on development work um, in, in the global south. And I was actually drawn uh, during my studies to a topic which is called microfinance. So this is actually 
where finance for me made sense all of a sudden, right? So microfinance, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar with the concepts, but it's really to provide small amounts of loan to people who usually would not get a loan to give them an opportunity to open up their business, a small um, enterprise that they can feed their families, um, create jobs and and really help their, their community and family. So there, there I am. Um, in finance again, um, microfinance. And I worked, as you already said, Ryan, I, I worked in Indonesia, I worked in Malaysia, um, and also in Germany. And this is actually how I got to know the GLS Bank, because they introduced a microfinance program in um, in Germany. So, um, yeah, that was my journey. Like 10 years I was um, focusing on, on microfinance in that area. So wait a second, your mom and your dad were in banking. Right. Okay. So Brian, I see a trend here because isn't your dad or just recently retired from banking? Am I right? You are right. My dad, my grandfather, my uncle, a lot of bankers in my family. So yes. So I, I totally get it. And, and Beck and I have this thing where somehow the guests we have did not start off to be bankers. They did not intend to be bankers. Um, and they turned out to be bankers and particularly in values-based banking. It's pretty amazing. That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> was your microfinance um, was that based in Germany then? So were the were the programs designed to be for Germany or was it other countries? It was Germany indeed. I was really surprised um, when I saw it that there's a bank who was actually involved in a program. It was in a cooperation with the German government. But they said, or they identified there's a gap actually um, for organizations to get small loans. So if you if you want to have big loans, obviously there's a big supply because that's easy for banks. But if you want to have a smaller loan, that's hard to get. So this is a gap that identified, and um, GLS Bank was providing, together with a network of um, small organizations, we were providing microloans to Germans, and there was a big need, to my surprise. Yeah. Well, Sonia, I have a question because what I find interesting is. You know, I love the idea of everything that you've done with GLS and knowing GLS and and what GLS has accomplished. But what I find really interesting is your work in the GABV Leadership Academy. And having gone going through that, um, Brian was you were the class of twenty one, right? Right. And I was in the class of twenty nineteen. Could you just tell everyone just a little bit about the academy? Um, and what the purpose is, and then the kinds of traits that it attempts to instill in those who attend the academy. Um, yeah, so the GABV Leadership Academy is a program for the leaders of, of the GABV network, um, the network Sunrise Banks and GLS are part of. Um, and yeah, you're probably all aware, but GABV is a network of banks um, with the same intention, right? The intention is not to seek only financial profit, but also to seek ecological and, and social profit. And um, the idea for this program actually started, I think, in 2013-14, where the HD representative of the values-based banks came together and said, we really need leaders in our organizations who are aware of the problems that are out there and who have the skills to address them. 
because given the fact that banks are sitting in such a crucial position um, of the economy, right, they're deciding on our future, so to say, because they decide where the loans are going to. They say yes or no. Um, so in a way, they decide um, on our future. So we said we really need these people in these organizations who have A, the awareness and B, the, um, B, the skills to make use of their position and their role. So this is when it all got started. So I think the first one got, was um, starting in 2015. And every year we have a we have a program ever since. And um, yeah, what we are doing is we're working really closely with everyone. Um, and the first step is we try to reconnect everyone with the reality, so to say, to really make them aware of reality, what's going on out there. Because so often we are so busy in our day-to-day -day life, we get a bit lost. Um, but really, you know, put the gaze to somewhere else and go out there and see what is out there, what are the challenges, um, and also what are the innovations. Um, my colleague Otto Sharma from the Presence Institute, he often says, like, um, the future is already there. Um, it's just, you know, innovation is not happening in the center, it's happening at the margins. So with this program, we try to go to the margins and seek out innovation. So we invite a lot of speakers, thought leaders to push our thinkings, people who are working on innovative ideas. We go out there, uh, especially if before COVID, we were able to go out there, do learning journeys, because it really makes difference to just read something or actually be there and feel and see and talk to the person um, who is working on, on an innovation. So this is like the first step. And then the second step is um, we do a lot of inner work with the leaders because what we believe is that as a leader, the most important tool you're having is yourself. So it's important that you know yourself um, and that you connect to your inner voice so that you know, you know, what do you want to bring into the world? What's important for you? Um, and with that, silence is an important piece, um, which we often do not have in our busy, busy world. And then in this silence, this is often where the, the great ideas are coming. Um, we, often, we often know that when we're in the shower, right? We have this great idea. It's not mm -hmm. when we think we want to have an idea now. It's usually somewhere else, right? In the car or, yeah, in the shower. So um, when, once you have an idea, then the next step is to really bring it into reality. This is the important piece around that. Um, and we have often ideas, but then, you know, they're getting lost somewhere because, again, we are busy, busy, right? But uh, this program, very strongly focusing on what um, my colleagues are calling action confidence, you know, so that people get the confidence. I have an idea and I really want to try it out. Small and local and rapid, but really try it out. Bring it out there and get feedback. And from there, I have better um, foundation to, to work further on it or chuck it away. <laughs> Yeah, this in a nutshell is um, what the Leadership Academy is about. Well, I have to say about my experience, um, I mean, it opened my mind in two really important ways. And, and one was to really, I mean, where else would I have the opportunity to talk to so many other financial professionals across the globe and what challenges they're dealing with and how similar it is to the challenges we're dealing with um, and, and the opportunities we're seeing and, and everything was so similar. So to connect on that was great. The other way um, that it opened my mind was what really, um, especially in the GABV-based banks, the purpose of the organization is. And, you know, a typically in banking purpose um, has been 
profit, right, or shareholder gain. And it really was clear in in the academy that the banks that were involved in this, that was an important thing. It, it, it just wasn't the only thing. It might not be the most important thing. In fact, sustainability, environmental impact, that might be your purpose and that might be your reason for being. And, and I know GLS has a similar kind of mantra, which is the economic benefit is actually a consequence. It's not necessarily, you know, what you're driving for. So mm-hmm. um, I, I really like that. And it really was clear to me that everybody at the academy had that same thought in mind. And the whole curriculum was geared around purpose, doing good, doing better. And how do we be leaders in all of those areas that you just mentioned. So thank you for that summary. It was great. Yeah, Brian, it reminds me of my experience with the Leadership Academy because some of the things that I learned in 2019 was really understanding who I was as a leader and what that means as I manage and as I drive business and as I um, talk about the brand. And um, I have to admit, you know, I bring so many of these tools back to my team and to the bank. For example, we would prototype uh, climate risk and what that means to not just the bank, but the the, the community. And it reminds me of um, we had a podcast with Kate Hammer from Vancouver and just, you know, the stories of what climate's doing in the community versus um, not just how it impacts the actual organization. And that to me was just, it's it's helped and carried through a lot um, for me. And so thank you, Sonia, because you were a great um, teacher uh, during the academy um, and during my time there. I did have a question for you. So with the GABV Leadership Academy, is that is attendance only for GABV bank executives or is it open to anyone who's interested in attending? So the Leadership Academy makes more sense to senior leaders of banks. It doesn't have to be necessarily values-based banks. If you have an interest in learning more about values and becoming ethical, this course can be really valuable for, for you. We have seen that. Um, sometimes I feel for those people who are coming from conventional banking, for them it's even more eye-opening because it's newer than for the ones um, from the from the network. Um, but it makes most sense for senior leaders because it's a really transformational journey because it requires a lot of inner work um, and, and it's very t- time-intensive as well. So, yeah, in your experience, uh, Sonia, given, you know, you have the experience in HR and as an instructor for GABV, I was wondering, um, you know, if a bank executive came to you and, and asked the difference between, you know, someone that's a traditional bank leader or finance leader versus a values-based leader or values-based leadership, I'm curious, what would you say to that? So where I see the difference between the two, actually, is probably, um, it's about connection. I feel that we are often disconnected and that especially traditional banks are disconnected from the consequences of their actions, um, maybe even of the needs of their people. And I think in order to become more ethical, right, I think we need to reconnect more and need to look more closely to um, the consequences of our actions. 
Um, and we see this in so many things, also um, so many parts of our daily lives, right? That we are not aware of, of the consequences of our actions. Like, for example, I chose to become a vegetarian when I was 12 because I watched documentaries and I realized how how the meat industry worked. And I was shattered and devastated. And I thought, now I know. And I'm sure, you know, everyone else know. I will tell them, they will know too. And obviously we will change it. <laughs> I had to learn it the hard way 30 years later. It's even getting worse. And I had to learn this system can work because it's shut, shut off and it's shut away. So people don't have to look at it. They don't know about it um, or they choose not to look at it. And this is why, why it can work. And I see this in organizations as well. Like often people who have to take decisions are not connected to those people who are impacted by, the, mm -hmm. by those decisions. And this often creates a problem, I find. So my recommendation is really every now and then to everyone, go out there, you know, have a look. Do not avert the gate. Look at it. Um, see who is part of your system, part of your who um, who is impacted by your decisions, and and be in service of these people rather than you know just impose something. I love that, and I, um, as Becca knows, I've said it before. I do believe a bank is a connector, and what you're talking about is connection to the decisions you make and the results or the consequences that those decisions have. And I think that's super important. I hadn't actually, I've never thought of it that way, um, but I totally believe what you're saying in terms of values-based leadership. And really, like you said, go out there, look up, see what see what's happening. That's super important. One other thing about uh, still staying in the human resources side of things, um, I would really love to hear your take on how values-based thinking can play out in human resources or within the cultures of culture of an org a values-based organization. How do you build a strong culture? Let's say you're you're listening to this and you're maybe not part of what you'd consider a values-based organization, what what steps could you take or what steps would you suggest a, a company take to become more values-based, to become more ethical? Mm. I mean, what we see also in the network sometimes, right, that if, it's, if the values-based idea is only with the CEO or with one or two people, it can get lost easily. So if this person leaves the organization, then the idea can get lost. So what I recommend or what I think is really important to integrate these ethical ideas and, um, and thoughts into the processes of your organization. Um, and for example, GLS Bank has done it in, in various ways. Um, for example, one um, in one area is, is the compensation. So GLS Bank has this completely different approach how to think about compensation so it's not like you work in our bank that's why we give you money it's more like you need to have money you need to take care of your financial needs of your basic needs like housing and food in order that you can come to work and do not have to worry about anything else so that you can bring your whole self to work and be good at what you're doing so this is the thinking we're having in in regards to compensation for example so we have this beautiful compensation scheme, um, which consists of different parts, so to say. So the first one is the basic income. I'm not sure if this is the right word, but like a basic block. So um, this is when we are saying like everyone should be able to pay their bills. So this block is substantial and everyone gets the same amount. Um, no one has to worry. 
So then the second block is your work experience. So the higher the work experience, then the more you get, obviously. And then the third one is about your qualification and also what kind of responsibility you're having in your organization. Um, so your monthly salary is made up of these three parts. And, um, and we also have this policy that the lowest, the highest compensation shouldn't be more than um, times seven. Um, so that there, there, there's a cap of, of payments for um, um, yeah senior leaders. Right. And we also, we don't have incentives or bonus payments um, because we believe this is not the right, right way to incentivize people. We want, uh, we believe, you know, your motivation should come from within and not um, chasing after an incentive um, or some goals you've set at the beginning of the year that might not be relevant even after half a year, but you're still running after it because you want to have the money. So that's why we, we have no, no incentives or bonus payments at all. Well, Sonia, our time is coming to a close and we, as Brian always says, we like to end on a positive note. And I really um, would like to ask you, what do you think the next gen banker looks like? In one word, I think it's a tech guy. <laughs> uh, and in the best case, it's a tech guy with big values and a big heart. So if you combine that together, I think this is where the future of, um, of values-based banking lies. Well, thank you so much, Sonia. This was a fascinating conversation, and we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yes, thank you, Sonia. Thank you for having me. <laughs> For this episode's musical feature, we're showcasing Phil Madeira. Phil is a singer-songwriter who's worked with the likes of Alison Krauss, Garth Brooks, Cat Moe, and Emmy Lou Harris. His latest album, Bliss, comes out this month. Here is Cut It Out from his 2019 album, Crooked. Phil Madeira. You can hear more of Phil's music on Spotify and at philmadeira.net. If you would like your music featured on the Next Gen Banker podcast, just email david at nextgen-banker.com with a link to your music and website. Thanks for listening to the Next Gen Banker podcast. We'll see you next time.